0: From Ontic Mind, I'm Dylan Stevens, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, is it possible to predict surgical outcomes using preoperative imaging?
1: Unless there are any scars in the cornea in very late stage Fuchs um, dystrophy um, cases, we're not truly thinking about PK.
0: Choosing the right patients for surgical intervention isn't always the easiest task. Thorough preoperative evaluation with clinical examination and relevant imaging is vital for determining which patients have the greatest chance for successful outcome. My guest today is Dr. Katrin Wacker of University Hospital in Freiburg, Germany. We will be discussing her recent work on a model for prediction of resolution of corneal edema following decimay membrane endothelial keratoplasty. What's your typical approach prior to this work for determining whether or not it's time for DMEC or other endothelial keratoplasty?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, this is a very challenging question to start with uh, for everyday cornea practice. Um, Well, at present, there is no kind of checklist of criteria for EK. so. Maybe one of my patients is a very good example. So, this is a 50 year old man who presented with a poor and cloudy vision in the morning. So, when trying to read the newspaper, that cleared up as the day progressed. This is very characteristic for patients with Fuchs dystrophy and corneal edema. He complained heavily about issues when performing his job. So, he was a pilot teacher. <laughs> and had some struggles with that because he could not see like fine objects at the bright sky. Um, So this was very challenging for him and light sources um, were not really um, like dots but they were kind of having clear or coronas around them. So um, interestingly, he refracted to 2020 and the cornea was just 550 um, microns thick. So when looking at the cornea with the slit lamp exam, you could see like the confluent gutae, but no true sign of corneal edema, such as steep stromal folds, changes of the posterior corneal profile or any epithelial edema. However, um, when looking with the slot lamp, um, you could see like this little fibrotic changes just before decimate membrane. I don't know if you've ever seen that before, but it looks like um, an area like a little island pattern, maybe the shape of Mauritius or Antigua. And this is kind of a sign of fibrotic um, changes that take place in Fuchs dystrophy corneas and that you can see on slit lamp exam. So, um, in addition, we performed some clear testing and could confirm his high disability clear. And we went on with AK. And, good part is so, guess what? What happened? Um, the cornea thinned down to 419 microns. Um, and after DMAC, he refracted to 2010. So, super good vision. And he was really happy about kind of his new HD vision which he described and the color brightness when flying um, around here. So bottom line is that first um, patients may still have a very high um, visual acuity on high contrast charts. So this is maybe not the best thing to decide whether to go to EK or whether um, to kind of just go on with cataract surgery. And um, second, um, the amount of central corneal thickness, just a pure metric, is not a good indicator of corneal edema because it varies heavily between subjects. So um, you can have 470 microns or 640, and both may be totally normal, whereas both may also be an indicator of corneal edema or present in corneal edema.
0: It's interesting that there seems to be a mix of subjective complaints from the patient, be they, you know, halos, like you mentioned, or blurred vision, even in the setting of objectively good vision or minimal objective findings on slit lamp. Prior to this project, do you feel that you had any tricks or exam findings that clued you into whether or not you'd get this post-operative resolution of edema?
1: Honestly, no. So, um, with clinical grading alone, for example, the modified Grachma grading, um, which um, grades GUTE, if they're confluent or non-confluent, or if you can visualize edema on slitland exam, you are not really able to estimate if there is any resolution of corneal edema. Obviously, if there's a frank corneal edema that kind of first year resident can see on slit lamp exam, yes, you're very likely to achieve um, high resolution of or reduction in corneal thickness, but there was no kind of metric for that before.
0: I do want to ask, there are a number of treatments for endothelial disease at this time, you know, going from PK all the way down to most recently in Fuchs dystrophy, uh, Decimé stripping only. Was there a particular reason behind choosing DMeC to be associated with this project?
1: Um, So um, DMeC has kind of become the gold standard when performing EK in Europe and in most um, academic centers in the US, except there are any challenging with the cases. For example, if you have any um, vitrectomy before, which may get your IS diaphragm a little more unstable, you may consider Dsec. however, if this is kind of your best practice, you go on with DMAC. So, um, because of the um, high wish um, rehabilitation that comes with DMAC when transplanting just the ultra thin 10 micron uh, thin or um, transplant, um, and um, the advances with eye banking and tissue preparation and all those kind of things, um, we're in Freiburg, we're just performing DMAC anymore. So um, we have our own lines, Eye Bank and we have about 300 to 400 transplantations per year. So um, unless there are any scars in the cornea in very late stage um, Fuchs dystrophy um, cases, we're not truly thinking about PK anymore. So it's um, DMAC that we would opt for.
0: One thing that's central to this project as a whole is the Scheim Flug imaging technique. Could I get you to give a little summary about that imaging modality and, you know, the different variables that you can get from such images?
1: Oh, sure. So um, a Scheinflug camera is designed to capture um, images of the entire anterior segment and to reconstruct um, those anatomic features. Um, So um, the Scheinflug principle uses a little trick to image the entire corneal shape and have that within the plane of focus. Um, this means um, in contrast to normal cameras, the lens is not parallel um, to the image um, and it rotates. So um, you get an image with a large transverse sample area, but low depth of ref- resolution. So the resolution is lower than anterior segment OCT, um, but um, you are able to also get um, biometric variables, for example, light reflectivity, um, called densitometry in many cameras or backscatter. And um, yeah, so this is kind of what you're getting from the camera. And the good thing is that, well, um, contemporary um, commercial shineful cameras are non-contact. They were easy to align and image acquisition is pretty fast. So um, you get pachymetry maps um, with lines of equal corneal thickness Similar if you would go for a hike and you see like lines of equal elevation or contour lines, or if you look at the weather chart with high and low pressure areas that are kind of surrounded with the um, lines of equal pressure. So this is the same for the pachymetry map um, where you get those little lines. And besides that, um, and the profile of the anterior um, posterior cornea, um, the image brightness um, is also an important part. Simulas as I mentioned before, um, when you look with the um, slit lamp exam, you could see the spherical area. So, with the shineful camera, you can quantify that, and um, you get a more objective um, quantification of the backscatter, um, like the corneal haze that you can see on slit lamp exam.
0: Let's get into the project specifically. Could you tell me a little bit about the design?
1: Sure. Uh, so for um, this study, we leveraged data from two prospective um, separate cohort studies, the Foods and the Diurnal Variation Studies. Um, both studies um, used the same inclusion and exclusion criteria and had the same ses- a set of tests for baseline variables. So all participants were scheduled for DMAC with or without cataract surgery. Um, Participants with um, corneal comorbidities other than fuchs dystrophy or any previous intraocular surgery other than cataract surgery were not included. So this was mainly pure fuchs patients without any other um, IDCs. And at baseline, all participants um, received Shine Fuchs imaging, and same at the follow-up visit after DMAX surgery. This was important because we. Um, needed a follow up to truly um, determine the edema resolution by um, the difference between the preoperative and the postoperative um, central corneal thickness measurement. Um, in addition to that, um, oral, um, most participants also had um, best corrected visual acuity measurements after um, DMAC um, using EDDRS study charts.
0: Obviously a major part of this study wasn't just the surgical end where we had patients with edema or minimal edema um, that resolved or didn't resolve after surgery, although the surgical outcomes seemed to have been very good. The major piece of this project is the predictive model itself. Could you could you elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Absolutely, so um, we developed a predictive model for coronal edema resolution in the derivation cohort um, that consisted of 100 eyes from one of those um, prospective studies um, that had a preoperative shine exam and um, so there were numerous um, parameters derived from the shine camera and um, to select the best performing model and the best performing parameters um, we used a statistical learning technique um, that's called Linear least absolute shrinkage and selection operator regression or lasso regression. Um, it's a regression analysis method um, that performs both variable selection and regularization to enta- enhance the prediction and the inter- inter- interpretability of the resulting statistical models. So, um, for those um, maybe interested in Getting digging into that a little bit more, I can highly recommend um, the um, book by Dr. Steyerberg, which is listed on the paper as reference number 23. So if you want to have a a quick look at that, that may get you more details. And if you want to cook your own prediction model, that may help. So um, the LASSO model for in our study with the lowest mean square error, which is a statistical measure of the quality of the model um, was selected. As a next step, the coefficients that the LASSO model selected were estimated using a linear regression model.
0: One thing that I, I was interested in particular was in those schein images, there's obviously a number of variables that we can extract. How did we go about picking out those variables that were most effective in helping predict postoperative resolution of edema
1: that's a really good question so with the lesser um, um regression method you can insert many many variables um those variables that kind of um strike out are those that kind of are based on our previous work which we already have identified in freiburg or at mayo clinic so um we identified um characteristic patterns in eyes with Fuchs dystrophy. So if you look at the um, Scheinfluft maps, for example, the pachymetry map, um, you can see um, that there are, that the isopacks are not normal. So what does isopack mean? These are lines of equal corneal thickness, as they must the hiking lines um, or the higher or low pressure lines on weather maps. So, those are not round or oval anymore, but those are distorted because of focal corneal edema. Um, this was um, one um, variable we um, kind of provided, the LASSO statistical model, um, to use um, for as, a, as a potential parameter. The other one was um, displacement of the thinnest point of corneal thickness from its normal inferior temporal location. So um, this is also because of focal central edema, um, the point of thinnest corneal thickness is not at its usual um, location. And um, interestingly in foot tomography, you can also see the area of focal um, edema when looking at the posterior elevation map. So here, um, the posterior coronal profile is set against the reference shape. And um, in edema, you can see an island pattern <laughs> with an area of focal um, posterior coronal depression. This is sort of a um, reverse keratoconus or what we know from ectatic diseases where the um, posterior cornea is bulging anteriorly. So in Fuchs, it's kind of Bulging towards the anterior chamber, and you see this specific island pattern. So, um, the other um, part was anterior and posterior corneal backscatter. So, those are also features that are very characteristic for structural remodeling. Um, published on that, and others um, published on that before. So, because of chronic edematous changes and um, the changes that take place um, over time when and the cornea changes um, with Fuchs dystrophy. So, however, to demonstrate that these tomographic features are truly specific for corneal edema. We needed, um, and well, an interventional study <laughs> in which you either wouldn't use edema or kind of help resolve it. So that's what we, um, in fact, did with um, this predictive model. We looked at patients before and after DMEG because we know with DMEG or any type of successful EK, you're helping to resolve corneal edema, and this is kind of what the, um, the study
0: was about. Looking back on the project now that it's completed, do you feel like the results are what you expected?
1: The results are kind of with that within the range what we expected because we already identified those in observational study designs um, that with um, the more advanced. Um, Fuchs dystrophy was on a clinical scale, by just looking at on a slit lamp exam, we identified that all those um, parameters were also present. So the um, Lasse regression model identified um, two features that were visible on tomography. So the non-parallel isopax and the focal posterior depression. It did not select the displacement of the thinnest point, which may be a little well, it's not collinear, we ex- examined that, but it's um, possibly um, kind of part of the other two features. Um, the three other indicators that were selected by the lasso um, regression um, were part of the corneal profile and structure. So those were features we previously also identified in um, observational study designs. So the anterior and posterior corneal backscatter and um, in addition to that, a central corneal thickness. So yes, I'm happy with the results. <laughs> um, I think the model showed a really good performance in the separate validation cohort, um, which, were, uh, which were eyes unknown to um, the um, model before. And um, the parietameters were Luckily, no surprise. <laughs> so, it, it, which would have indicated that we would have, may have done something wrong in our previous study. So that's kind of okay.
0: <laughs> I was really impressed by the predictive models' uh, performance in the validation set. It was, it was really, really great that we could develop this model to pull these patients out to know who to best uh, treat. Now, the question with predictive models. How generalizable are they? There's so much variation in surgical technique, in patient populations, in comorbid eye, eye conditions. How, how generalizable are these results?
1: You know, one of the limitations if we have to admit is that it's a single academic center. So those were patients that came to the University Hospital in Freiburg. Um, We're a big referral center and um, patients are coming from most of Southwestern part of um, Germany. However, it's a single center. Um, So um, future studies um, at different centers might or different areas (laughs) in the world might get a little different results. However, I'm, I'm sure that the selected parameters are very likely to be kind of the same and the model would very likely perform good at different centers because the disease and the mechanism of the disease is from what I know naturally varying um, across um, countries or across regions. So um, second, um, you may think about um, endpoints. So this is um, for options for future studies. So this was a morphological endpoint. We looked at edema resolution. Um, other options might be more functional if the patient, um, the visual disability of the patient is, might improve. Um, would also be an important part or if you um, could um, use the model for not only predicting edema resolution but kind of features that were associated with that for example um, selection of the best intraocular lens to avoid any hyperopic shift or other things that go along with the concept of corneal edema.
0: And just finally how do you feel that this has or this will Change your personal clinical practice.
1: Mm, In cases, well, with no visible edema on slit lamp exam, um, the presence of those um, shine flu patterns that we kind of confirm to be part of the edema concept, and a predicted edema resolution uh, in the upper range can be really helpful and affirmatory when counseling patients and um, deciding whether whether to proceed with EK or just go on with cataract surgery alone.
0: Dr. Katrin Wacker continues her research in corneal disease with her group at University Hospital in Freiburg, Germany. Her paper, "Predicting Edema Resolution After Decime Membrane Endothelial Keratoplasty for Fuchs Dystrophy Using Fluke Tomography," appears in the April 2021 edition of JAMA Ophthalmology. This interview and those that have come before it are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you yourself participate. If you have any questions or comments for Dr. Wacker or any of our prior guests, please feel free to reach out to me or my co-host Josh Young at josh at onticmind.com. As seen from here is a production of Ontic Mind Incorporated. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Dylan Stevens.